What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another brand new episode of This Week in Sports. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. It is Saturday, December 18th. 2021. We're just a few days from Christmas break. I know everybody's looking uh, forward to getting a few days off around the Christmas holidays. I know I am. Um, I was exhausted yesterday. I was planning, don't get me wrong, I was planning on doing an episode yesterday, right? But I came home from work and I don't know what it was. I was just exhausted, uh, probably because I stayed up late to watch that Thursday night football game, which I'll get into in just a little bit. But I was exhausted. I took a little bit of a nap and then I stayed up late um, playing some video games with my friends. So I figured I would get the episode done today. Well, then guess what happened? I slept all day and, um, you know. A little embarrassed to admit this, but you know what happens. It's the weekend. I work hard. I, you know, I'm, I'm able to do this now. Um, I slept until about one p.m. today. All right, and a few weeks ago, I was sick over the weekend, so maybe I'm still recuperating, recovering, and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I slept till about one p.m. Woke up, had some breakfast, was working on getting this podcast done. Then my brother and his wife came over. And we were chit-chatting and whatnot. So it, it's been a long day. And I am now getting this podcast done. It's just, it's 6.01 p.m. We've got a couple hours to uh, until the New England and uh, Indy game, which I am really surprised that New England is underdogs in this game. Um, I am leaning towards New England in this game. Probably, excuse me, if... um. You were looking for advice on this game. I would say, you know, gun to my head, New England money line uh, that New England wins this game. It's on the road in Indy. I don't think that matters much. The Patriots look like the best team in the AFC. What have they won? Like seven in a row or so. Um, Indy's very up and down, although they've been playing well of late. So I'll get to that a little bit later. Um, so what I wanted to start off with was not only was I planning on doing an episode yesterday. Um, there is so much good television and movies around this time of the year that it is becoming really hard to focus on anything else. I mean, the new Spider-Man came out yesterday. Uh, my brother was texting me and my other brother if we wanted to go see it today because where he lives, he couldn't find tickets. And even though I've seen the other two, I have not you know, I'm ashamed to admit this as well, seen all the Marvel movies and I've seen them out of order. And I really want to over this Christmas break, take the time, because uh, I get about a week off from work, take the time and try to actually binge all the Marvel movies in the special, you know, order that they say uh, to watch it in. And then uh, I'll maybe check out the new Spider-Man movie when it comes out, um, you know, on DVD and all that. So we'll see. Um, but there's a lot going on. A new show on HBO Max came out yesterday. I watched the first three episodes of that. Um called Station Eleven. It's based on a best-selling novel. Uh, that was pretty good. Those first three episodes, very interesting. It's like a post-apocalyptic. There's a, a flu pandemic that wipes out most of the country. Um, so that's been pretty good. Uh, Wheel of Time is my favorite show on television right now. If you're not watching that, I highly recommend it. Um, there's just so much going on. There's a new post-apocalyptic um, sci-fi movie on Apple TV Plus that came out yesterday with Mahershala Ali. There's just so much 
to to dive into in in that space and and I could have a whole separate podcast and all the films and movies and TV shows and just reviewing those that I watch but we're not going to do that cuz this is a sports show and I want to get this done in about an hour just like last week's episode so without further ado let's dive right in and unless you were fired this week at your job right before Christmas you're having a hell of a better week than one urban Meyer Urban Meyer, ladies and gentlemen, was fired as uh, Jacksonville Jaguars head coach. He is officially out. Um, And it's really no surprise because this week was a week from hell for Urban Meyer. Just story after story started coming out. Um, He stories about him calling his coaches losers, challenging them to prove their worth. These are guys, mind you, that Urban Meyer hired. Why should they have to prove their worth to the guy that hired them? They should be close, you know, friends of his and confidants. Well, guess not. Um, And then the Jags lost 20 to nothing to the division rival Titans. And it's just been an up and down uh, hill for, for Urban Meyer and a guy that's used to winning and that is you know, known for his winning at the college level, having that not translate to the NFL and only knowing how to win. Yeah, you start to unravel a little bit. He didn't want to put the blame on himself, started putting it on his coaches and players. And then we had the story that really broke the camel's back. That was former Jacksonville Jaguar kicker. Okay. Um, their former kicker, Josh Lambeau, Okay, told, I think, the Tampa Bay Times. I have it in my notes here, but it's a little further down. Um, But that's okay. I'm going to get this out and and clear the air on this now. I think it was the uh, Tampa Bay Times. He told them in an interview that one day in practice, Urban Meyer kicked him. Okay, physically kicked him. And he said, you know, it wasn't a, a light tap. He said it was, you know, pretty aggressive kick and basically said something to the effect of you you better make all your effing kicks or or something to that effect. And once that news came out, I think that was it for Shad Khan, uh, the owner of the Jaguars and Urban Meyer has been fired. Okay, Daryl Bevel took over as interim head coach. Um, Daryl Bevel better be careful because this is now two straight years, two years running that he has taken over teams as interim head coach. Uh, sorry, my dad is texting me. I thought I had do not disturb on. But anyway, he is texting me, I think, a trivia question. Um, and I don't have time to answer this right now, so I will get back to him. And he's going to think I'm Googling the question. But anyway, yeah, Urban Meyer is now out. Daryl Bevel, interim interim head coach. Daryl Bevel was the interim head coach a season ago with the Detroit Lions. So if Daryl Bevel is not careful, by the way, offensive coordinator for the Jaguars, who has now taken over as their head coach. If he's not careful, he's just going to keep bouncing around from bad NFL team to bad NFL team. So that's just an interesting uh, nugget there. Um, Another former college coach turned NFL coach is having a rough go of things in just his second season as head coach. That would be one Matt Rule, former Penn State player himself, former Baylor head coach, former Temple head coach, right? He made the leap to the NFL with the 
uh, with the Carolina Panthers. They made the trade in the offseason for Sam Darnold. They started this year off 3-0, and then things went downhill and headed into their bye week. They traded Joe, uh, excuse me, they fired Joe Brady, their offensive coordinator, and they've lost CMC. They've, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey, they've lost Sam Darnold, who they've designated to return from injury. I don't know if he will be playing tomorrow or not, um, but it's been nothing but bad down in North Carolina. Cam Newton has been benched two Two straight weeks for XFL or PJ Walker. Only this past week's game we saw against the Falcons, Cam Newton got benched and then was brought back in a few series later. So that's just a disaster down there in Carolina. Um, and they end up losing 29-21 to division rival Atlanta. The Panthers now sit at five and eight. Um, if they finish this year off as they are looking like they're going to and miss the playoffs, I think Matt Rule could find himself um, out of a job and probably headed back towards the college ranks. Okay, let's talk about the two worst teams in the NFL, those being the New York Jets and New York Giants. Not te technically the two worst teams in the NFL, but it really does feel like it. They are both disasters in their own right, um, each without a clear option at quarterback right now. And I am not joking. The way things are looking, Joe Judge will be out of a job. Okay, Gettleman will be out of a job for the Giants. Daniel Jones will be gone. The Giants will be looking to draft a quarterback, one Matt Carroll maybe, uh, or Matt Corral, maybe Kenny Pickett with that, uh, what do they have, six, seven picks or something like that right after the Jets. Um, it's going to be interesting what the Giants do, but they're probably going to blow things up. Now, more embarrassingly for the Jets, they drafted Zach Wilson at number two, right? They can't move on from Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson missed about four games this year. They still don't really know what he is, but let's let's pause real quick and look back. When the Jets drafted Sam Darnold at three in 2018, Sam Darnold was by far and away better than what Zach Wilson has showed us to this point. Zach Wilson, ladies and gentlemen, somebody said it. I forget who said it. Somebody said it on air. I think um, Boomer Esiason said it on Monday morning after this game. Zach Wilson has the yips. This is a scary thing. We all look remember back to that Monday night football game where Sam Darnold was captured on audio saying, I'm seeing ghosts out there. I think Zach Wilson is seeing the devil reincarnated because he can't make simple five-yard uh, passes. Um, and that is a scary, scary thing right now. It's a lot different than on Thursday night when we saw on a fourth down um, Patrick Mahomes grab the ball without the laces and throw it into the ground when he had a wide open Nicole Hardman for a touchdown. OK, it's a lot different than that. OK, this is Zach Wilson legitimately having time in the pocket, having, uh, you know, his check down. Maybe it's his third or fourth look wide open, whether it's a tight end or running back and he's throwing it into the ground. This is a guy that's supposed to have all the arm talent in the world and he can't even make a simple pass. And not only that. Both teams, the Jets and the Giants, lost their games this past weekend by a combined 67 to 30 on Sunday and hold a joint 7 and 19 record. Congratulations. Jets have the four and five picks. Giants have the six and seven picks in the draft. Now, let's talk about the only team that might be worse than the Jets and Giants. And that is the Houston Texans. At least they're, the, they're one of two teams that are worse than the Jets in the AFC. 
The Texans entered the season expecting to have Deshaun Watson um, basically take over the headlines in Houston. We all know the sexual assault allegations. We still don't know what's going on with that. What they There was thoughts they would trade him to Miami. Nothing has come to light on that in, in, since the season really began. So there's really nothing surprising about the Texans starting the season 2-11. and 11. Um, Things only got worse on Sunday when they lost 33-13 to to Seattle. Now, granted, they kept it close for much of this game. The first half uh, was really close. I think Seattle was up like 13 uh, or or was down like 13-10. to It was a really close game. And then um, the Seahawks just smoked them and the Texans didn't score in the second half. So, yikes, it, it was bad. All right, now let's go by the numbers. Um, the Chiefs and the Bucks both look like the two best teams in football right now. You could argue the NFC is a little more stacked. So there's the Packers, there's the Rams, there's the Cardinals. Um, there's a bunch of teams there that you can argue could get in Tampa Bay's way of repeating, right? But right now, the Chiefs have turned things around. I'm not even counting Thursday night's game, but um, they, they look like the two best teams and they both look like... Granted, the Patriots are right up there as well, but they're still a young team. You're going to give the edge to the Chiefs who have been in the Super Bowl the last few years, um, the last couple of years. So I look at both of these teams and I look for possibly a repeat in the Super Bowl again. That would be great. Um, Tampa Bay is now 10-3. and They beat a good Bills team, 33-27 in overtime. That pass Brady to Brashad Perriman. Um, he took it to the house for the touchdown, and they walked it off. And Kansas City, man, they abs- everybody was saying to take the Raiders because they usually division rivalry. They usually keep it close. They were pulverized by the Raiders, 48 48- uh, they pulverized the Raiders 48 to nine. It was over in an instant. The Raiders couldn't get out of their own way. Then, of course, you fast forward to Thursday night's win against the Chargers in overtime. I'll get to that a little bit later. Um, so, yeah, Kansas City is really looking strong right now. Let's talk about one guy named Micah Parsons. A rookie linebacker out of the University of Penn State, okay, Penn State University, he could just be the rookie of the year and defensive player of the year all bunched up into one. And there's no joke behind that. This guy is an absolute beast. He is a game wrecker. Looks like an absolute, you know, just savage on on defense he can cover running backs as easily as he is sacking the quarterback and bull rushing offensive linemen it is ridiculous no rookie has won defensive player of the year since lawrence taylor in 1981 i think lawrence taylor got in trouble again with the law this week and maybe was arrested um i don't know i saw something to that effect but uh yeah anyway so yeah micah parsons against Washington. This game, this was like a man playing amongst boys. Two more sacks and a forced fumble in Sunday's 27-20 win, although the Cowboys did blow a huge lead. Washington did almost come back in this game. Um, Heineke went out with an injury, and it was all uh, Kyle Allen leading that comeback. It came up just short. All right, let's switch things up and talk a little Formula One racing. We had a finish for the ages it's not a greatly popular sport, but uh, this was a, you know, huge, like the championship race. Um, and 
it all came down to the final lap. Uh, of course, everybody knows who Lewis Hamilton is. He's like the Tiger Woods of Formula One. He's like the greatest there is, right? Um, apparently, Formula One has exploded in popularity over the past few years. You know, you add in the pandemic, people staying home, watching more TV. They're seeing this. There was also the Netflix show Formula One Drive to Survive, the show which premiered in March 2019. It provided full access to the crazy drive drama of a sport dominated by dramatic people. Um, and it just drove viewership and Sunday, I think it was Sunday morning. Yes. Yeah, Sunday morning, uh, the sport had its best moment ever. Um, when Max Verstappen won the 2021 world championship in incredible fashion, Verstappen passed four time defending champion Lewis Hamilton on the final lap after a controversial controversial restart to win the title it being his first the ending sent absolute shockwaves throughout the sport um hamilton's mercedes team is actually still filing appeals so the drama will continue and i'm sure formula one and even netflix must be really excited about this let me pull this up real quick and see if i could find it because it was a wild final lap um Let's see. Let me see if I could find this final lap. Uh, let's see. Sorry about that. I should have queued this up a long time ago, but let's see if I could find it. Um, that's in Spanish. I always hit up Twitter for these things. Um, damn. None of them are in English here. I apologize. Let's see. Championship can only be won by one, and it's going Dutch in 2021. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Oh my lord, Max! Yes! Yes! Oh my god! Yes! <laughs> yes! Oh my god! <laughs> Max Verstappen! You so much. <laughs> you have driven like a champion all year. You deserve that. We absolutely. So, yeah, there you have it. Um, it was a crazy, crazy final lap. Um, and yeah, it, it was just insane. And um, as some, I'm not somebody that watches Formula One or knows too much about it besides knowing Lewis Hamilton. I think there was this whole thing about Lewis Hamilton. Like he he was basically like a video gamer and then all of a sudden like realized he could do this thing and then just became an absolute savage um in in this you know in racing but anyway uh yeah just absolutely incredible all right, let's talk the Heisman. I don't think it's any surprise, but on Saturday night Alabama's freshman quarterback won the Heisman, no shocker, okay? Uh Bryce Young that is had his moment, okay? Uh, it was obvious that he was winning this thing after they smoked Georgia in, in the SEC championship game, 41-24. He threw for like over 400 yards. So yeah, no surprise there. 
excuse me, he said afterward that people have counted him out his whole life. Um, I don't know where he's getting that notion to be truthful. Um, but yeah, he actually did say that, that people have counted him out his whole life, which has only attributed to his self-motivation. Um, he was the number one recruit coming out of high school and he signed NL NIL deals worth almost a million dollars before he ever took a snap in college. So I don't know who's been counting this kid out, but if you've been counting him out, then you better stop. Um, and if the number one seed Crimson Tide win another national championship, who baby, this kid is going to get drafted really high and he's going to have a lot of pressure on him next season and in his junior season as well. All right, next up, just real quick, let's talk a little NYCFC. New York City FC won the MLS Cup on Saturday, their first in franchise history, with a 1-1 penalty kick win over the host Portland Timbers. It was the defining moment for NYCFC, which was just born six years ago in 2015. Okay, um, they've transitioned into a really well-scouted operation in the past few years. It's my dad texting me the answer to said trivia question. Um, anyway, yeah, they win the cup and manager Ronnie Delia's or Dyla's actually stripped down on the field after the game. So anyway, New York City was going absolutely insane with that win. So congratulations to NYCFC on their MLS Cup win. All right, let's talk about some UFC. We've got some uh, big time fight on, fights on tonight as well, actually. But Amanda Nunes, she has been dethroned in one of the biggest, baddest upsets of the century in the UFC. She entered the octagon late Saturday as minus eleven hundred betting favorite. That means you have to lay eleven hundred dollars to win one hundred dollars absolutely insane favorite. Um, and she hadn't lost since September of 2014. I would not want to get in the octagon with her. She ended up leaving the victim of an absolute incredible upset as Juliana Pena submitted Nunez, uh, Nunez with a rear naked choke in the second round, the second round to win the UFC women's bantamweight title to me, is the biggest upset in UFC women's history. The good news, though, for everybody at home is we'll probably get a rematch. Let me pull this one up as well. Um, see if I could find that audio. Um, UFC is tough to find online sometimes because of the, uh, you know, you got to pay to watch it. Let's see, let's see, let's see. I uh, don't think I'm going to find it, ladies and gentlemen, but that is okay because, yeah, I'm not going to find it. Uh, just a bunch of other stuff. Anyway, they have the moment when she was, you know, named winner, but that's fine. Uh, yeah, Juliana Pena, congratulations to you. You just beat an absolute savage, and I cannot, cannot wait for the rematch. 
All right, let's get back to the NFL, talk about the Demarius Thomas tribute in Denver on Sunday as the Broncos paid homage to one and only Demarius Thomas, their former wideout who died unexpectedly last week. Uh, This was extremely classy by both teams on the game's first play. The Broncos lined up with just 10 men on offense and did not run a play as a nod to Thomas. The visiting Lions declined the delay of game penalty. Late in the fourth quarter, Justin Simmons ends up intercepting Jared Goff and immediately ran over and placed the ball on the number 88 the the team had painted on the field for the game. The final scoring drive of Denver's 38-10 absolute uh, slaughterhouse win on Sunday went 88 yards exactly. That just is a little eerie and a little too perfect, right? Um, It was a fitting tribute for a man beloved by the franchise and the Denver community, indeed it was, because like I spoke about last week, um, anytime you have somebody who dies in so suddenly and at such a young age like DT, it just rocks the community and it even, you know, it, it hurts. It hurts everybody, um, not just people that knew him, but fans, you know, um, everybody, because this was not one of those situations where he had CTE and just killed and, and committed suicide. Nothing like that, man. He just, you know, he had a bad car accident, started having seizures, and he had a seizure and died alone in the shower. I mean, could you think of anything more horrific? Like, what a way to die. I mean, seriously, it's just heart-wrenching. And, um, yeah, I don't think this one will get over this one for quite some time. Okay, the Rams... I think the Rams are back. A lot of people have counted the Rams out saying, oh, you can't just build a superstar team and bring superstar after superstar in and expect it to work, right? We had the Eagles in, what, 2011 with Vince Young calling them the dream team. Um, Just, we've seen this in the past. Well, you know, McVay knows his stuff. And he brought in Matthew Stafford this year, and he looked great to start the season. Then the last couple of weeks was like, eh, which always seems to happen with McVay-led teams, right? They always seem to look like nobody can stop them until somebody does stop them, and then they look very average. But then they always seem to pick it back up. And when they get the run game going and the play action and the way Matthew Stafford played, oh my God, in Monday night's win over the Cardinals, he looked good. And I was telling people, I was really liking the Rams in this one because I knew they were embarrassed last time against the Cardinals. I knew they were not going to let that happen. And sure enough, um, they did let the, the Cardinals come back a little bit. Let's face it. Cardinals are still a really, really good team. But Matthew Stafford looked absolutely, you know, on on point on Monday night. Um, he threw a pick in all four Rams losses this year. And on Monday night, he did not. He threw three touchdowns, no interceptions. Easy as that. Um, And it helps when the Cardinals' game management was just so bad. Late in the game, they're down 10. They had an opportunity to kick a, what, 48-yard field goal with Matt Prater, who has been money all day, all year. And they elected to go for it on fourth. They failed to convert. And that's basically what cost them the game. And then... Late in the game, when they recovered an onside kick, actually, and they had like 35 seconds, Kyler Murray threw, heaved one up to the end zone into triple coverage. DeAndre Hopkins got hurt, 
Thought it was a concussion. No, even worse. A leg injury. He is out for the remainder of the regular season. He has been placed on IR, and he was on my fantasy team. My fantasy team, which thankfully, thank the Lord, um, got a buy. I finished in second place by a few points, and I got a buy this week because my team is decimated. I don't even know who I'm going to start at wide receiver next week. It's just, it, it's a total... Um, crapshoot right now. So I'm just hoping that by some miracle, I can make it to the finals and get some money. Um, Cooper Cup in this one had an outstanding game. A hundred. So uh, that's what he has on the season. Excuse me. Cooper Cup went over 100 yards in this game. He has 113 catches now for 1,489 yards and 12 touchdowns. The Rams still have four games left on the schedule, and we, that means we could have a 2,000-yard receiver on our hands. That would just be absolutely insane. And if you really want to look at the numbers, um, Cooper Cup this year, he has been just an absolute, absolute savage um, if you look at by the numbers, I'm not even kidding you. He has been the best uh, player in fantasy. Not not that's not a wide receiver. Okay, week one he had a, a seven receptions, 108 yards, a touchdown. Week two, nine for 163, two touchdowns. Week three against Tampa Bay, 96 yards, two touchdowns. Week four against Arizona when they lost 37-20. Okay, only five for 64. Week five, seven for 92. Week six, 130 yards on nine receptions, two touchdowns. Against Detroit in week seven, a uh, 10 receptions, 156 yards, two touchdowns. Week eight against Houston, 115 yards and a touchdown. Week nine against uh, Tennessee, 11 receptions, 95 yards. Week 10, just before their bye against San Fran, 11 for 122. Week 12, Against Green Bay, he had seven for 96 and a two-point conversion. Uh, week 13 against Jacksonville, eight catches, 129 yards, and a touchdown. Just an absolute tank. And then on Monday night against the Arizona Cardinals, he had 13 receptions for 123 yards and a touchdown. Just an absolute savage. I passed up. I didn't pass up on Cooper Cup. I just didn't think to draft him. I took DeAndre Hopkins like two rounds sooner. And it's it just, if I would have had Cooper Cup, I uh, honestly, I'd win this whole thing. All right, let's take a look at the updated playoff standings. First off, we have the NFC. Uh, for the first time this season, the Cardinals are no longer the number one seed. That goes to the Green Bay Packers. They are sitting as the one seed. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are sitting as the two seed. The Cardinals are the three seed. All three of those teams do have 10 and three records. So those are interchangeable should any one of them lose. The Cardinals coming in at four. And then we have our three wildcard teams the Rams at nine and four, the Niners at seven and six, and Washington at six and seven. Even though Washington lost to Dallas, they are still in there right as of right now. On the flip side, looking at the AFC, we've got the one-seed Patriots, two-seed Titans, three-seed Chiefs. Chiefs, with their win on Thursday night, are now 10-4, and four, so they're sitting at the, as the top spot as of right now, but those three teams are practically tied. You've got the Ravens at four, the Chargers at five, the Colts at six, and the Bills at, have fallen to seven at seven and six. They got to, you know, step it up and, and, and wake up quite 
quickly or they're going to be out of a playoff spot soon. All right. COVID is tearing apart the sports world right now. In the NBA, the Bulls had to postpone a couple games earlier in the week due to 10 players being in health and safety protocols. Those were the first games postponed this season due to COVID. In the NFL, 37 players tested positive on Monday, including Jalen Ramsey and Tyler Higby. So they did not play on Monday. The league responded on Monday by sending a memo to all 32 teams mandating a COVID-19 booster shot for all Tier 1 and Tier 2 employees. The league and the NFLPA are discussing booster shot parameters for players. Um, that's going to be tough to get these players to get booster shots right now because the booster shot, from what I know from a lot of people, it has knocked them on their ass for a day or two. Um, and everyone reacts differently. It's not like the first couple shots where you might, you know, not have any side effects. This one I'm hearing is, is pretty bad. So these guys are not going to want to miss practice, miss games to get this booster shot. It's a tough call. Um, in the NHL, they've struggled with the virus for much of the season. Of course, we had the Islanders. They had to postpone games earlier this year. They might not even recover um, and make the playoffs at this rate. On Monday, the league postponed the Flames' next three games because of COVID issues. And the Carolina Hurricanes have had two players and a staffer entering COVID-19 protocols. And it's not just here in the United States, not by a long shot. The English Premier League has postponed multiple matches in the last two weeks due to outbreaks, including Monday's decision to postpone Manchester United versus Brentford, which was set for Tuesday. The league is implementing daily testing to combat the Omicron threat because while Omicron is milder symptoms, it's more transmissible and it is spreading like wildfire. All right, let's real quick check in with some college football transfer portal. Um, you have USC quarterback Caden uh, Slovis has entered in, Texas A&M quarterback Zach Calzada, Bo Nix from Auburn, and Auburn's running back Tank Bigsby. I believe um, out you have former Oklahoma quarterback Spencer Rattler and tight end Austin Stogner. Both of them, bang, bang, boom. Bing bong, South Carolina landed Spencer Rattler and Austin Stogner, both. So that was a little bit of a surprise. They're heading into the SEC, maybe a little calculated move since Oklahoma is headed to the SEC themselves. And then you have former Ohio State quarterback Quinn Ewers going to Texas. Okay, Larry Nasser survivors have reached a $380 million settlement. USA Gymnastics and the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee agreed to a $380 million settlement on Monday with more than 500 female gymnasts who were sexually abused by Larry Nasser, the former team doctor, of course. And you had former Olympians Allie Raisman, Simone Biles, and Michaela Maroney among the notable gymnasts to speak out on the abuse and how Nasser was enabled. All right, Steph Curry action on Tuesday night. Wardell Stephen Curry II. To be quite frank, I did not even know that his name was Wardell. Um, nobody calls him that, so I had no idea. But yes, his full name is actually Wardell Stephen Curry II. He became, obviously, the best shooter on the planet a little while ago. Um, but 
officially he broke Ray Allen's record in the garden um, on Tuesday night on a quick release three-pointer with what seven minutes and 33 seconds left in the first quarter Golden State routed them 105-96 it was the 2,974 three-pointer of Curry's career of course passing Ray Allen who was in the building uh, Reggie Miller was in the building here's what I have to say about this great moment sure but the NBA has evolved it's not what it was okay it's not even close to what it was um these guys Reggie Miller Ray Allen if they if they came up when Steph did there's no saying if they would have you know hit this many threes by this point as well but I will say Steph did redefine the game shooting 30 foot threes half court threes and making them left right and center so he's really evolved the game of basketball and there's no doubt everybody says that even the greats say he's the best shooter of all time and he's still so young which is crazy he is the baby-faced assassin for sure but i will say i think they made too much of a spectacle out of this they called timeout. you you had spike lee taking selfies with staff it it was just it, Knicks fans cheering for him. It was just a little, it was a bit much. Like uh, I was, I was over it, you know, pretty quickly. And I was not for all that fanfare that they made of this whole, this whole thing. It was a little bit much, seriously. But I will say, um, like I said, Steph still just 33 years young. It's ridiculous. Uh, here, here's some by the numbers for you. He already held the record for most three pointers made in a season with 402 in the 2015-16 season. He also holds numbers 3, 4, 5, 8, and 13. It's insane. Um, and by the way, Ray Allen hit his 2,973rd three-pointer when he was 38 years old. Steph did it in five fewer years and 511 fewer games. Oh my God. Yeah, wow. Okay, next up, Netflix has released its trailer for the Kevin James movie titled, um, what's the title of the movie? Home Team. Yes, Home Team. I have been anticipating this movie for, I think, over a year when it was announced that they were going to be making a movie with Kevin James starring as Sean Payton in that year in which he was suspended and could not coach in the NFL. And it's, I mean, it's Kevin James, my favorite. My favorite actor, um, he's funny as all hell, and I am looking forward to this. I watched the trailer, and I think it's going to be absolutely hilarious. It's it's weird because, you know, Kevin James doesn't look anything like Sean Payton, but I think they are going to make this movie um, really fun for the family, and it's going to be fun to watch. Basically, it will chronicle, you know, Sean Payton, you know, Kevin James as Sean Payton reconnecting with his 12-year-old son as he ends up coaching his Pop Warner team. And just the trailer looks awesome, and I can't wait. The movie does premiere on January 28th, so I'm looking forward to that. Okay, COVID is still just ripping through the sports world. 75 NFL players now have tested positive in the last couple of days. The Rams are one of seven teams in the league's intensive protocol. The NBA saw more COVID issues Tuesday, including Giannis being placed in the league's health and safety protocols. On the hockey side, Connor McDavid is starting to worry about Olympic participation. And don't be surprised um, 
with more spread this week. It, it's it seriously. Um, you had Russell Westbrook go into protocols, testing positive, and then a couple days later he came right out and he played uh, last night's in last night's game. So it's just crazy, crazy stuff. Um, throughout throughout sports like the Nets I'll get to them a little bit later it, it's just ravaging we had a discussion in our fantasy basketball league we have one IL spot we upped it to three because uh they're putting players as injured when they're going out on these COVID protocols so we're like look this is ridiculous we're, we're getting devastated by this we can't add more players so now that you could put them on IL you could add more players and it's actually excuse me it's actually benefited me um, because I haven't had many players go out with this, and it, it has led to me winning three straight matchups in fantasy basketball. This week, I'm up 9-1, to one, although I have like virtually nobody playing tonight. Draymond's out. Um, Chris Middleton is out. and But I am up 9-1, to one and it's looking good. This will be my fourth straight win after a slow start as the reigning champ that I am. And if I win this week... Um, I should move up. I'm right now in sixth, which is the top half of the league, which is good. And I could move up even more. And everything right now is really close. This is the closest I've ever seen it. Um, I'm within 10 games, but within, you know, two and a half games of third place. So it's really second and first that are, you know, like nine and a half up on everybody. But uh, it's right there for the taking. So, yeah, it's just been it's just been crazy. Um, and then on Wednesday night, we had some of the better finishes in the NBA all season long. Let's first start with the Oklahoma City and a New Orleans Pelicans game. That was a wild scene uh, at the end. And this video or this audio isn't going to do it justice, really. Um, but I will I will describe it as best I can. So take a listen and then I'll tell you exactly what what went on here. Alexander Walker to, to guard the inbounder. Giddy's got to get it in. No timeouts. The ball is inbounded to Shea. Temple did not fail. Shea on the step back still buries the three. And it's tied at 110 with 1.4 seconds. And you know what's interesting about that? He was trying. Those two shots, if you did not see them and you're just listening to this, you can't even imagine what those what just happened with those. So te you heard um, them say Temple didn't foul. They were up three, the Pelicans, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander basically just took the ball, and, and for some reason, he just absolutely heaved up a long, like, 35, 40-footer from sort of the, like, top of the key, and he did one of those, like, push shots and just heaved it and nailed it to tie the game. So we're like, it's like, okay, this game's going to overtime. With, like, one sec, 1.4 seconds left, they just, you know, simple inbounds, um, to Devontae Graham, he takes maybe like one dribble and he just like a schoolyard, like elementary school kid, absolutely chucks it from his waist, launches this thing and nails it, ba banks it in. A and the Pelicans win the game. It was one of the most incredible shots I have ever seen. And not only to at the buzzer to win the game right after Alexander bangs his in, it was it was it was incredible. Honestly, it was absolutely incredible. Well, that wasn't the only game winner on Wednesday. Let's queue up Lakers versus Mavs. 
this one went to overtime because Tim Hardaway Jr. sank a long three to tie that game. And, you know, after they were back and forth in the fourth quarter, that goes to overtime. And then some kid by the name of Austin Reeves, game winner. Westbrook into James. Shot clock is turned off. Porzingis, their only shot blocker, is out of the game. James doubled, finds Ellington, corner to Westbrook, final seconds, out to Reeves, three-pointer, bang! Reeves gives him a three-point lead with nine-tenths of a second remaining. No timeouts for Dallas. Pull up from half court. Oh, off the mark, and the Lakers survive in overtime. What a finish here in Dallas. And I thought he got fouled, too. Austin Reeves, what a game. Five of six from three-point range, 15 points, playing all the crunch crunch time minutes. And the Lakers win their third in a row. Yeah, I am with um, Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy on that. I thought he actually got fouled. And then, of course, the great Mike Breen with the bang call. Uh, Yeah, just a wild finish. Austin Reeves, just a little uh, unknown guy, undrafted this year out of Wichita State, just 23 years old. The Lakers really needed that one, too. They've been struggling. Okay, let's talk about the player that shook up college football, the landscape of college football, that being one Travis Hunter. National signing day on Wednesday, you know, off to a pretty normal start. you got these guys on ESPNU and CBS Sports, and they go at their high schools, and then they say, where am I going? And they pick up the hat, and then they put it on and says, I will be signing with uh, University of Georgia or Alabama, whatever. Well, Travis Hunter, okay, is the biggest recruit in coming out of high school, the number one player in the class of 2022. He's a corner slash wide receiver, okay? Well, guess what? Around 2 p.m., word began to trickle in about Travis Hunter, who was supposed to, supposed to go to Florida State. Rumbling started to happen. He's going to flip from Florida State to Jackson State. Jackson State? You mean that little-known HBCU where, where Deion Sanders coaches? That Jackson State? Yes, that being the one. So if you watch the video, it was ridiculous. He puts the Georgia hat on, throws that hat off. Somebody throws him another hat, throws that. Then all of a sudden he puts on the hat with the J and says, I'm going to Jackson State. Unbelievable. Wow. Florida State has to be crushed. They not only lose the number one recruit in the country mere hours after signing their coach to an extension through 2026. Oh, that's got to hurt. Uh, really badly. That recruit now, being Travis Hunter, going to play for FCS Jackson State and one Deion Sanders, who, by the way, was a Florida State legend. So this is just bad all around for Florida State. He's also rumored to have a big NIL deal in the works with one Barstool Sports and Dave Portnoy in the range of $1.5 million from what I heard of, which is really interesting and could be a little shady. But now that they've just come out with this NIL stuff and legalized it, it's basically what they were doing behind the scenes, which was shady enough. And now they're just legalizing it. So Florida State, excuse me, 
uh, Barstool Sports, the ones paying this kid. Here's the problem. Deion Sanders also works for Barstool. So it could have been one of those things. We'll give you the 1-5 if you go to Jackson State because Deion wants you. And it, it, it's a win for Barstool, and it's a huge win for Deion Sanders and Jackson State, who played in their FCS National Championship after finishing 11-1 today. They got smoked 31-10 to at the hands of South Carolina State. Um, so, yeah. But it's still a huge get for um, for Dion. Um, here's what Hunter had to say on Wednesday. Quote, Jerry Rice, Doug Williams, and of course the legend, JSU's own Walter Payton, Historically, black colleges and universities have a rich history in football. I want to be a part of that history and more. I want to be a part of that future. I am making this decision so I can light the way for others to follow, make it a little easier for the next player to recognize that HBCUs may be everything you want and more, an exciting college experience, a vital community, and a life-changing place to play football. This is, to me, fascinating on multiple levels because here we go. Unlike in basketball and, you know, some other sports, college football players have to stay in school for three years before declaring for the NFL. So here's what I think could happen. You could have a situation where he balls out this year, dominates the FCS level, maybe Jackson State wins a national championship. They came up short this year. Maybe they win one next year. If they get to 11 and one or win another a national championship next year or repeat and do as well as they did this year, let me tell you guys, Deion Sanders ain't staying there. He already interviewed for the TCU job in the off season. So I could realistically see a situation, a scenario where they go 11 and one or better and win a national title next season. And then Deion Sanders is the hottest thing out there. And you have any one of these big-time schools, whether it be Big Ten, SEC, Pac-12, and they go after Deion Sanders. And then, boom, Deion Sanders jumps ship from Jackson State to a big-time Power Five conference. And where does Travis Hunter go? You think he's going to stay holding the bag at Jackson State? I don't think so. Travis Hunter is going to then transfer because you know Dion is going to ask him to come with him. That's a no-brainer. This is what coaches do. They go from one school, kids flip, and they go and follow the coach. So we could realistically see a situation, excuse me, where that happens. So just this is a totally fascinating story, has trickle-down ramifications throughout college football, and it sort of levels the playing field, and we'll now get to see if, because we had, of course, in basketball, we had the big-time recruit, McCour Maker. He went to Howard right before the pandemic, shortened their season. So, you know, this stuff is leveling out now, and we'll see if this starts to happen more often. All right, let's quickly talk Thursday night football. The Chiefs knocked off the Chargers 34-28 in overtime. Travis Kelsey had an absolute career night, racking up 191 yards receiving, scored the game-tying touchdown, and, of course, the game winner in overtime. Here it is, Travis Kelsey. Just one catch, shy of Otis Taylor. Here is Kelsey, still going, still going. Kelsey, good night, touchdown, Chiefs win it.
What a disgrace on defense by the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, this whole game was a disgrace for the Chargers, if you ask me. They blew a lead. They never should have lost this game. And shame on Brandon Staley. I I'm done with this guy. I've been saying it all season. He he comes from Sean McVay. He thinks he's some, like, young, hip genius. He's going to go for it on fourth down every time because, you know, the numbers say go for it on fourth down. The first drive of the game. They get down there, goal to go, goal to go situation. I don't think they run it once. They then th they throw to Mike Williams. He gets hurt, has to come out. Then they throw. I think this was the fourth down play. They throw to Donald Parham Jr. in the back of the end zone, and he he drops the ball, spins, and as he falls down, like on his back, he hits his head. The cameraman didn't realize what was going on and left the camera on this kid. Absolutely, just gut wrenching situation. He was completely stiff as a board knocked out unconscious it was a scary scene they stretchered him off to the hospital to get testing his body was like shaking it was really scary um but it turned out a concussion he was sent home i think he's going to be okay so thank god on that we didn't hear till really the next day um about that but then we had to play football that was like two minutes into the game they fail on fourth fourth and goal don't get any points to start the game you don't go and get any points i know you're playing the chiefs but brandon staley you are starting off the game you have a great drive and then you're gonna let you're gonna let the chiefs get a huge victory by not giving up any points no you kick the field goal and take the three points establish the fact that you had a solid drive to start the game and take the lead but this guy doesn't take the lead and he blows opportunity numero uno that was not the only one that they would fail on. Okay. The Chargers then, right at the end of the half, go for a fourth and goal play, which to me made no sense because here's the deal. They were up 14-10 at this point. You kick, you get the ball, you're getting the ball to start the third quarter. The, uh, the Chiefs are getting the ball to start the third quarter. So what do you want to do? Make sure you get points here, right? All they have to do is get points. You go up by seven. It's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Anytime you can go up seven and the worst that can happen is they tie the game, you take that chance. No, Brandon Staley says we're going for it. They go for it again. They don't get it. And guess what? Brandon Staley and the Los Angeles Chargers became the first team since Shocker, the 1984 Chargers, also against the Chiefs, and 37 years ago to the day, to fail on fourth and goal twice in a first half. Oh my God. That is why they lost the game. They also had an opportunity later in the game um, on another fourth down, and that's when I, I just was beside myself that Austin Eckler wasn't in the game. They gave it to uh, Ballage or whoever that was, Josh Kelly, I think, maybe, and they tried to jump the pile way too early. The ball got totally knocked out, and they turned it over on a goal-to-goal -goal situation once again. So they screwed the pooch on multiple goal-to-goal uh, -goal situations where they got no points, and it was just ugly. What I will say about that game is going in, I thought the over would hit, but it's, you know, one of those Thursday night games, so I stayed away. I ended up right before kickoff placing a six-player same-game parlay for $25. Now, here's my reasoning. On Sunday, I placed a four-team alternate spread bet 
for $100 and I hit that for $297. I lost some uh, another bet on a uh, Tyreek Hill anytime touchdown. Of course, they played the Raiders and put up 48 points and Hill couldn't score besides the point. And then I think I did some other bet that didn't hit. But then later at night, I also put a $25 bet on Aaron Rodgers uh, to throw two plus or three plus touchdowns at plus 175. So I hit that. So I made $265 on Sunday. And then on Thursday, I placed this six leg same game parlay. Tyreek Hill anytime touchdown. Austin Eckler, anytime touchdown. Austin Eckler, over 34 and a half yards rushing. Travis Kelsey, over 54 and a half yards receiving. And then both quarterbacks, two plus touchdowns passing. Okay. It was dead in the water. And the fourth quarter, I needed like two, two, uh, three touchdowns, basically. I needed a Austin Eckler touchdown. I needed a, uh, excuse me, Tyreek Hill touchdown. And I needed two, uh, three, basically I needed three touchdowns. I needed Mahomes to throw one to, uh, Tyreek Hill and to throw a second one. And then I needed Justin Herbert to throw another one. Well, on third and goal to go after the, the, the chiefs tied the game, Justin Herbert threw a touchdown to Keenan Allen. I hit those two. And if I would have hit five out of six legs, I would have gotten my money back. So I was like, I was okay with this because on the previous possession to tie the game, the Chiefs threw a touchdown. Mahomes threw a touchdown to try, uh, to Tyree Kill. So I was like jumping for joy. Now this one hit. There's over two minutes left. I'm like, boom! Chiefs are gonna go right down and tie this game. Let's get it. One more touchdown pass. And guess what? That's exactly what they did. They threw the touchdown to Travis Kelsey. It was really low. I had to make sure that it was clean and caught. They kicked the extra point, and Bing, bang, boom! That one paid out for another hundred and fifty-six dollars. So up ne nearly four hundred thirty dollars MI since Sunday. And it's just about picking your poison, right? And sometimes, and this is why I don't give too many bets when I'm on here giving the podcast because I don't like to look at things prior and, and try to like really sit there for a while and think about it because if you start sitting there and just thinking for too long, you end up making a bad bet. So literally at eight o'clock, I logged in and I always like to go for the quarterbacks like one plus touchdown or two plus touchdown. I go for like minimums, but I add a lot of things for same game parlays when I do them and they're fun in that respect. And that's what I did. I just was like, all right, Tyreek Hill hasn't scored in like three games. He's got to score in this one. And then I figured Austin Eckler, he's a shoe-in. He always scores. He's on my fantasy team. I put him in there. And I just added Kelsey. He always gets his receiving yards. Sure. And they all hit, man. And my brother tailed it. And he was freaking happy as hell because he had lost some money and he needed that win. So he called me. He was super excited. And it was a win-win for all of us. So, you know, couldn't be more more ecstatic. And I think that's why I was so tired last night because I stayed up watching that game in overtime till about like midnight or so. But yeah, it turned out to be a very, very good game late. And I am sorry for anyone that left the stadium early in Kansas City or in LA. I forget where that, I think it was in LA. All right. Every day we're hearing more and more about COVID. The NFL has seen dozens of new cases each day and more have been emerging seemingly by the hour. The league has had to cancel today's Raiders and Browns game. They have moved that game. Okay. Um, and they have updated the COVID policies. All 32 teams are now in intensive protocol, meaning more restrictions for the time being. 
Vaccinated players who test positive can return to team activities on the same day, provided they are asymptomatic for 24 hours and produce one negative test plus a negative rapid test. NHL teams have also seen cases explode, which led the Canadians to close their doors to fans through the end of the month. College basketball hasn't been immune either. Kentucky and Ohio State canceled their game today because of positives in the Buckeyes program. Rutgers and Ryder was canceled today as well. In the NBA, Russell Westbrook, I mentioned this earlier, him and Avery Bradley entered protocols the same day the team signed Isaiah Thomas to a 10-day contract. And then um, Westbrook was cleared to play yesterday. And Isaiah Thomas in his debut, I think he had 21 points in 19 minutes, went absolutely off. And I'm I'm more than happy for him because it's been a long ride since his Celtic days. Um, the league will also test all players and tier one personnel daily over the holidays. Um, I, I want to say there was one more. Oh, yeah. The the games that were canceled, right? The, the There was a bunch of NFL games that have been moved to Monday and Tuesday, right? So I said the Browns and the Raiders, that game has been moved. Um, you had, we still have the game tonight, but they, they have moved the uh, Browns and Raiders to Monday, okay? They have moved the... Uh, Seahawks and Rams game to Tuesday and the Eagles and Washington game has also been moved to Tuesday because of COVID. So all these games will count still towards week 15 and towards your playoffs, uh, playoff schedule. So anyone that's in uh, their fantasy playoffs, have no fear that will count for this week's fantasy playoffs. Okay, moving on. Let's talk about Zion Williamson. He right now is, you know, he's starting to to be in that conversation with the Greg Odins of the world, um, with the busts of the world, if you catch my drift. The Pelicans announced Thursday that Zion received a biologic injection in his right foot to help his fracture heal. He'll be reevaluated in four to six weeks, at which point one assumes he'll either come back or sit for the rest of the season. He, I mean, he hasn't played all year, um, he's played in like 80-something games in the first few years of his career, which Greg Oden played in more. Um, it's scary. He is extension eligible next summer, so that's something that they're going to have to discuss internally. I don't know what they're going to do there. Um, his representatives will obviously insist on a max contract because when he does play, he's great, um, but it's a really tough sell for a guy that's missed more games than he's played in so far in three years. It, it, so... Just something to monitor there. Um, obviously, his foot's not healing because he's coming in looking like, you know, Big Mama out there um, or Fat Albert. So maybe uh, stop eating the donuts, Zion, and um, maybe hit the gym. All right. The Nets, it was announced last night. I couldn't be more excited and elated. Kyrie Irving was officially, uh, will officially come back with the Nets. Um, with it being reported that he is not going to get vaccinated, so he will be able to practice with them on a daily, and he will play only in road games with the Nets. Um, so that means he can only play in games in the United States on the road and games that are not in Canada because obviously they they updated their mandates as well. So he can only he'll play in like 20 games, if that. Um, but this is good news for the Nets as nearly half the team is in COVID protocols. However, 
today, I wake up and find out now Kevin Durant, as well as Kyrie Irving, have entered COVID protocols. Kevin Durant can't catch a break. This man has had COVID like three times. I don't know if he tested positive or what, but the Nets are supposed to play the Magic tonight, and I honestly don't know who's going to suit up for them. I really don't. Uh, Kyrie needs five straight days of negative tests to join the team at practice and is the ninth Nets player to be added to the list. Here's what people are saying. They're like, oh, Kyrie, what an idiot. This guy came back and he gave Kevin Durant COVID. Here's what I, I read into this. They did not say anywhere, whether it be Woj or Shams or anybody's, nobody's reporting that Kyrie tested positive for COVID. How I look at it is the Nets said, Kyrie, we, we're going to take you back. And because he's coming back, from the real world, he now has to go into COVID protocols. We've seen this before. It happened last year or at the, yeah, last season at the beginning of the year when Kyrie was out partying and blah, blah. He then had to enter protocols for like 10 days. So I think that's what happened. I think Kevin Durant, it's more likely that he got it from wherever he got it because the the whole Nets team has been getting it and they haven't been getting it from Kyrie because he hasn't been around. So I don't want to hear people berate Kyrie and say this is his fault that now Durant is in COVID protocols and all that stuff. So hopefully we get the matchup of the year on Christmas Day. Kyrie can come back. KD can come back. Everybody can come back on Christmas Day because the Lakers are hosting the Nets at Crypto.com Arena. So that will be amazing if we can see that game and with all these superstars, including Harden coming back as well. All right, tonight we have Jake Paul versus Tyrone Woodley too. Um, of course, they fought each other in the past and they're going to fight again. Somebody else was supposed to fight uh, Jake Paul. I forget who, um, but something COVID maybe or injury related and now Woodley's back in. This card also features a fascinating boxing matchup between former NBA player and Brooklyn Nets player, Darren Williams. He will be boxing former NFL running back, New York Jet running back, Frank Gore. So... That should be hella interesting. Uh, I'm curious to see that. Okay, you have the PNC Championship. Of course, Tiger Woods' first professional um, you know, tournament since his car accident 10 months ago. The updated leaderboard has uh, Tiger and his son Charlie at 10 under, just three strokes back. They are tied for fifth. Um, it is really fun to watch. You get to see Tiger's son probably better than most, most uh, people. And he's just 12 years old, although I'd like to argue that um, I could take him on in a, in a round of 18 and do a little bit better, but probably not. Um, you got Stuart Sink and his son atop the leaderboard at 13 under. You have John Daly and his son, who is a little unfair. His son does play at the University of Arkansas, so he's pretty good. They're one back at 12 under. You have Justin Thomas and his father at uh, 12 under. Vijay Singh uh, and his I think son are at 11 under and then Nick Faldo and his son are 10 under and Gary player is at 10 under. Um, and like I said, a couple others at 10 under Kuchar, uh, Stenson and tiger and his son, Charlie. So that's going to be fun to watch all weekend. Tiger was grimacing on a couple shots. He's not really teeing off a whole bunch and, and Charlie has just been a joy to watch, um, ever since we saw him on this, this stage a year ago. So that's fun. And then we had some big news this morning. The New York Mets have hired Buck Showalter. Buck Showalter will be the new Mets manager. Um, he's getting up there in age, but I think this is actually a really good hire for the Mets. Showalter will now become the fifth 
the fifth man to manage both the Yankees and the Mets. And if you can name all five, kudos to you. They are Joe Torre, Dallas Green, Casey Stengel, and Yogi Berra. And last but not least, on this date in sports, December 18th, 1988, Kevin Green records a career-high four and a half sacks, setting the mark for the most in a game versus San Francisco. Um, Green, sadly enough, actually died almost a year ago on December 21st, 2020, at the age of 58 due to a heart attack. He actually coached the Jets for one or two years or something to that effect. Um, He was on the Jets coaching staff. So, uh, yeah, one of the all-time great sack leaders. And then finally, um, I've got to play this little gem of a clip as I let you guys go. This was interim president at the University of Louisville, Dr. Lori Gonzalez giving her commencement speech at graduation uh, maybe yesterday or even today. Um, Just absolutely hilarious, and I feel so bad for her. See if you can catch the mistake. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, have a great weekend. Good luck if you're betting. Happy holidays. I'll see everybody next week. And I would be remiss if I didn't thank Neely Bindapudi for her incredible leadership and passion to advance UofL into the thriving community we are today. I want to personally thank her for bringing me home to Kentucky and bringing me to this campus. I love the University of Kentucky, and I plan to continue the, com- the tremendous progress and trajectory we're on.